Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Kurt Thompson. MD. So first of all, thank you so much for being with we us. We are so excited to have you. Yeah, oh, we are... well, thanks. You're most welcome, and it's it's really, it's so humbling to be invited and to be part of this. It's it's a lot of fun to do. So thanks for well, it's having me. We're really excited. So I, so we always start this with sort of giving the uh, brag sheet or the bio. So I'm going to read that, hmm. and which we'll John start with always mine. we'll start with John. This will be real quick. <laughs> yeah, this will be short. John has always laughed that we're, at some point we're going to make uh, all the guests read their own bios, which I'm not going to do to you, but at some point. I always oh. remember that. Like, Oof. But every three episodes, I'm like, God, this could be great if we could If you ever it. come back on, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be the one. <laughs> yes, right. You'll be the yeah. one. Okay, yeah. so, so here we go. All right, Kurt Thompson, MD, by the way, uh, is a board-certified psychiatrist and the founder of Being Known, an organization that develops resources for hope and healing at the intersection of neuroscience and Christian spiritual formation, which I've never said those things out loud before. The intersection of neuroscience and Christian <laughs> spiritual formation. That is <laughs> like, well, it, who would who would who would who would like do that on purpose? Yeah, yeah. Just, well, hey, God, I weave that into ways. a lot of conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John does. You know John when does. you're at the you know you're at the intersection of neuroscience and Christian spiritual, and it's you're just sitting there. The stop sign. You're sitting yeah. there at the stop sign, <laughs> yeah, and you're just... like, "Dang, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> Do you go left or right? How, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? How did I get here?" Um... He's also so the, yeah. Well, we're going to talk well, about that. I don't know actually. what I'm supposed to do. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> Let's not get ahead. Mm. Of it. Mm -hmm. He is also the author of *The Soul of Shame* and *Anatomy of the Soul*, and his newest book, *Soul of Desire*. Uh, Thompson and his wife Phyllis, a licensed clinical social worker, are the parents of two children and live in Arlington, Virginia. Kurt, we are thrilled that you are on this podcast. Well, thanks. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. I, but I have a. I have a curiosity, and that is like, how is it that I made my way here? It is, you know. It's what's because the, what's the connection? So, so I'll tell you. This is, and, and this actually, I'm surprised you you haven't been on earlier. Yeah, yeah. Because me and John are both. Uh, hmm. uh, so, so I'll tell you. It's, and this works great for how we wanted to start. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I had the Soul of Shame uh, book and loved it, and and it felt like one of those books where. Um, you know, it's like when you're shopping for a van, all you see is vans. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Like that yeah. Kind of thing. And yeah. it felt like everybody I knew, like once I bought it, I had a, a good friend Speaking recommended Speaking of shame, actually... when you're shopping for vans. <laughs> yeah, let's just circle I mean, it. You're talking about the automobile, not the shoes. Let's be clear. I was, I was talking about the shoes. Though. I was talking about the shoes. Um, I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm young. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be so useless. <laughs> yeah, it's no. Trust me, it, this is uh, we we stop talking at some point. I promise. Yeah, uh, that's what makes it. Uh, oh gosh. Gold. So 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 anyway, everybody. I, I read that book. I loved it, but it just felt like everybody had it. Like it was. It would come up conversations, and so many people I knew had it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I know mm. Gabe and the Q mm. community here, and mm. so mm. as I as I you know over the last year or so, um, they'd send videos and and you know there were videos that you had done at the conferences and mm. i would watch him and i just thought we have to have him on like it just <laughs> became this slight obsession to be honest with you um mm. and so uh you know reached out to your people and i was really excited it, it really is i mean not to put uh weight on you but i do you know i was telling john i feel mm. like what you do is something i get really excited about ha 
talking about on this podcast because it really is the convergence of kind of a a lot of the things that we're fascinated with or want to mm-hmm. be able to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think what's it's like so a funny- lot of topics that we talk about uh, <laughs> ignorantly. And now every now and then we need to get somebody in to clean up the mess. <laughs> what this is, Kurt, okay, okay, is basically- can I just say, can I just say I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting a feel for how this is going to, how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm well aware, John, that when you start to interrupt Dave, I, I can I I'm I'm like oh I can see what's coming in about the next seventeen seconds. Just which just already you know, proves like it's, it already to, proves your intellect. It proves it, no, your... I'm just I'm just saying it's it's uh, I don't I don't think I want you to stop talking. I'm happy to just be the reason that I listen to you guys like go for fifty minutes. Yes, yes. Just, Let me tell you, all of our listeners right now are cursing so loudly in their vans. Yeah. Like John in their oh Dave, and they're please. in their vans. <laughs> they are oh, in their vans. Why well, is that <laughs> where they are? That's our demo. That's they're our, in their that's vans. Yeah. Um, no, but so I, I was thrilled to have you on. I just thought this this would be such a fun thing because, you know, the podcast, we kind of cover a lot of different um, topics and different types of guests. But something that I, I get so excited about, and I know John does too, is is having people who, you know, are experts in fields who really have like, um, you know, things to say, especially words of encouragement and challenges toward the guests as opposed to, you know, um, you know, whatever else we have I was about to throw everybody else we've ever had on, on the podcast. I was, I was waiting for, podcast. I was waiting for John to step in and have no, that I'm, word of, have that like, word oh, of wisdom. He needs no help on this one. I'll let him have, <laughs> Yeah, Just let, let, him, him let that ship sink. So, so what I, what I want to start, what I want to start with is kind of a warning and you've already seen this enough. Um, uh, even in these first few minutes, but this, this podcast, and I want to give the listeners a little bit of a heads up is probably going to be the most all over the place podcast. And let me, and I want to say that as a compliment to you, Kurt, because I think, you, you, I've heard you speak on so many different things. And so one of the challenges that was really fun about this was going, okay, how do we sort of maximize the time we have? Because I feel like with you, it's, it would be like sort of, um, softballing, you know, Barry Bonds pitches. I'm just like, there's a million things that I would, I would literally just love to sort of go, Hey, can you just, I'm going to give you a sentence talk about that you know mm-hmm. and so uh so I, what the warning i want to give you and all the listeners is <laughs> this is probably going to be the most adhd interview that i will probably have been a part of um i'm getting my prescription pad out i, <laughs> I was I gonna say it. Yeah, i'm ready, ready to go could, well, i, I know what to do with i'm that. assuming you already have filled out a couple for us based <laughs> I, on what you've heard <laughs> believe you me like we've been at this for ten minutes. I'm. John, I'm could, could you imagine if we go to the mailbox and like with refills, days, with <laughs> refills, my brothers? Just, <laughs> just sends his prescriptions. Um, and so what? Okay, so 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 I, I thought to start, and this is going to be a hard left hand turn, so buckle up, but because this is coming in really hot. But but something I do really want to hear you speak to that I know you have a lot of authority around and, and have a lot of experience studying and writing about is this idea of shame. So this is again. We are taking a really hard left-hand turn here. But, I, you know, again, so much of uh, our listeners are dads and moms. And something that I've noticed with my kids, uh, even when I'm not to mean to be doing it, is is shaming them. Is how I talk hmm. to them, hmm. you know. Uh, hmm. and, and I will warn you, too, that I feel like all of my questions have more questions. Like, they sort of yeah. multiply immediately as I ask them. But but so so... I would love to hear you kind of speak to this, uh, starting this whole thing off. Like, what is that in me that is happening in those moments with my kids? And then what is the damage that we're kind of doing when we use shame as a parenting tool? And, and 
you know, how do we not do that? What does it do to our kids? Again, these are multiplying questions as I ask, but can you kind of speak to that? Well, I think the first thing I would want to say is that we're really only asking that question because there's something that precedes it. Hmm. And the thing that precedes shame, and I, I, this is why I think the, you know, there's, there's, there's very, if anything, I don't think there's really much of anything that you can't learn about human beings by reading the first 10 chapters of Genesis. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Read the first 10 chapters of Genesis and you get everything you need to know about us. Hmm. And it's, uh, and it's easy for us in those 10 chapters to, uh, look at it and the bulk of them, like, you know, the news isn't good. The, the news is, is, is pretty nasty. I mean, um, uh, but it, it, but, and it can become, and, and, and the writers of Genesis are so like, they're just, they're, they're like amazing writers, the mm. storytellers, right. Mm. And then the collecting this because we can be overwhelmed by what we read from Genesis chapter three to 10, that we forget that it's one and two where things begin. And mm. it's easy for us to begin our stories, begin our questions uh, in chapter three, uh, without beginning at the beginning. Hmm. And I, I would say that, you know, anytime we talk about shame, there's two things that we can do. We, we, we can say, well, one, we can talk about the, you know, you can look at the literature, you can talk about it clinically. You can talk about like, well, what are the mechanics of it? You can talk about it, how it is. It's first a neurophysiologic event, right? It's not just, you know, well, you, you know, you're an idiot. I mean, that's, it's a shaming thing where when we treat our kids wrong or all those kinds of things, that's all, that's all true. But it is primarily first and foremost, it's a neurophysiologic event that, uh, we then have to make sense of, we have to somehow cope with and so forth. And it begins really early, begins 15 to 18 months of age, long before we have language, long before we, you know, our kids sense it in the room, Mm. our kids sense it in terms of not just what we do to them that they don't need, but also they sense it in terms of what we don't do that they do need, right? When we ignore them, when we neglect Mm -hmm. them, when we are paying more attention to our phone, right? Research on attachment now is showing that kids sense and their attachment is shaped uh, by their experience with their parent. and, And all their parent has to do is have the phone in the room. Their parent doesn't even have to be on the phone. They can just be in the room and the parent's attention is shifted. So we, we can, we can talk about that as a, as a, you know, we, we, this, this felt sense that something internally, like we, uh, uh, for those who may have read the book, we, we talk about Alan Shore likes to talk about this metaphor of it's what happens to a, an automobile with a standard transmission when you, you know, when it decelerates, but you don't apply the clutch, you've got the accelerator and the brake that helps the car go and slow down and stop. But if you don't apply the clutch, the car stops violently. It doesn't just stop. And shame is what happens when any of us are doing what we were made to do and something decelerates what it is that we're doing. And you can be 15 months of age, you can be 15 years, you can be 55 years of age, and it can be anything from your just interest in the blocks that you have, but you're, or you're interested in something that you want and you're being noisy as a toddler, mm. or you're offering a comment at a cocktail party, mm. or you're in a board meeting and you offer a comment or, you know, you're in a concert and, 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 and a number of things can come to you from outside your skin. It could be your parent, it could be your coach, it could be, you know, an audience member, but all that stuff, when that happens, when there's no clutch involved, when I want to slow the process down and there's no clutch, 
things stop violently. And we, we say that the clutch is an interpersonal relationship. So even when I have to say no to my child, even when I have to ask questions, I was in a meeting recently in which, you know, people were offering, I think, helpful comments and critiques about the soul of desire, about the neuroscience and so forth and so on. And there was a particular way in which a particular comment, several comments were offered that's, that in and of itself, like, it was not easy mm-hmm. to hear it, uh, not because of the content of what we were talking about, but because of the way that it was offered. And, you know, I, we, we, can, we can have those kinds of events, but eventually what it does is it creates ways in which in order for me to cope with that, I then develop my own narrative about what these things mean. And so sooner or later, this absence of an interpersonal relationship, if, you know, I, I don't ha- if, if my parent says no, but says it in a way that applies the clutch, we're actually able to slow the engine down. We can say no to our child. We can say no in the meeting. We can have the conversation with, you know, the, the, we, can, we can offer a, a suggestion or a critique about the performance and so forth and so on, but we can do it in a way that is actually growth enhancing. Mm-hmm. But apart from the embodied personal relationship, it just shears it off. And literally things happen in the brain that are disintegrating, like my thinking brain and my feeling brain, all those kinds of things separate from me. I don't mean they separate in your brain, but I mean, the neural networks disconnect and I become more anxious and I enter into fight or flight mode. I enter into a lot of different ways in which I just tend to kind of not function very well. And we could talk about that until the cows come home, like the clinical and the mechanical, kind of the neuromechanical aspects of this. But what's important to know is that all of this is taking place in the context of a story. And this is where the first two chapters of Genesis are so important, that we were made to create beauty and goodness in the world. Mm. We were made to enjoy the world and to be enjoyed by the others in the world, not least of which the God who has made us. And we weren't made just to be known by each other. We were made to be known in order to then collectively, vulnerably, create beautiful artifacts, whether it's music or software or furniture or, you know, a field of flowers or farming land or whatever it is that we're doing. We're, whatever we're going to create together, we're going to do that. And the story of the Bible tells a story uh, in which uh, there is something else in the world that wants to devour all that beauty, that mm. can't tolerate it. And so Evil comes subtly, uh, but also comes violently to the woman in the garden. And at first glance, it looks like when we're reading that conversation, long before any fruit gets eaten, it looks like it's just a conversation. Mm. Violence isn't necessarily the word that would come to mind. But we see that she actually was violated in the way that he's telling the story to her. And there's no indication that Adam has the wherewithal to step up to be present with her and for her. And there's no way for either of them to kind of defend against the fact that God's not in the picture yet. And so they're left alone, which is what evil counts on in order to wield shame. And so we find ourselves often in places of isolation. Hmm. And when that isolation continues, which is what shame tends to do, it tends to move me away from connection with you. Hmm. Uh, I'm left then to let it like self-perpetuate and it just continues and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. 
And uh, this is not to suggest that shame in and of itself, this is, this is another part of, of, of the story that is important. Yeah, it's easy for us to look at shame and just think like, oh, I, I don't like that feeling. That's an awful feeling. So it, it, the whole thing must be bad. The biblical narrative is quite plain and clear that shame in and of itself is not the problem. The problem is how we respond to it. In fact, when we read St. Paul, his second letter to the church at Corinth, he says there is a godly grief that leads to repentance. There is an ungodly grief that leads to death. And we would say that shame is God's signal built into the creation that tells us that things are not okay. Things are not okay. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so much of our trouble isn't just that we experience it, but what we do in response to it. There are things that we do as humans for which shame is absolutely the appropriate and proper response. Wow. That leads to repentance. They're like, I feel bad. And like, yeah, you should feel bad. Like, mm. And not because like you, we, we want you to feel bad for the sake of feeling bad. We don't want you to just like sit with that. We're longing for that feeling to signal to you to turn around and move in a different direction. Mm. You know, when I start to feel nauseous, I like I don't like it, but it tells me something's going on that I need to pay attention to, I need to act upon, do something about. Dave, John, we all love summer, and our oh, kids yeah. especially love summer, but yep. we lose that consistent schedule of when kids are in school. And that yep. can create some summer child care problems. You know what? Thankfully, though, Dave, <gasps> there's a solution. What? Windy. That's W-Y-N-D-Y. Listen, it's an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome, Dave. That's right, John. And Wendy has been around for seven years and has been used by over 20,000 families. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy near you, working full or part-time. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash dadville to start searching for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock off 50 bucks off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional nanny agencies and no ongoing fees. Okay, so here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash dadville to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You can choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. That's right. Go to wyndy.com slash dadville. Hello, Dave. Wow. Okay, yours was yours was better than that, Johnny. Thanks. Are yep. you loving this warmer weather? Summer mm. is just around the corner. Dave, I am so glad that you brought that up because the weather has been so great. Mm. I'm playing tennis, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting outside on the porch Gosh. in my tennis shoes, <laughs> going for walks yep. in my in different shoes. I don't, yeah, I don't I walk say, that's just shoes. too far. Yeah, I mean, it's so nice. And honestly, I don't really want to be spending too much time in the kitchen making meals because there's so many other John, things John, to John, 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 John. That's yeah. where Factor comes in. You can fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, so you can spend more time outside. Okay, 
It sounds good, but Dave, let me ask you a question. Okay. Can I meet my wellness goals in time for summer with Factor? <laughs> I hope you've got goals and then more goals, John, because we call you Cristiano Ronaldo. Soccer joke. Hey, yo. And guess what? And then some, John. It's going to be just fine. Factor has chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Dave, that sounds so awesome. You've talked me into it. I'm ready. Wow, that was easy. I'm ready to kickstart my routine with 35 different Good meals gracious. and more than 60 add-ons to choose from, Dave. Did you know that? I'm educating you now. And these are restaurant-quality meals like filet mignon, Ooh. right? Mm-hmm. Shrimp. Mm-hmm blackened salmon. Enjoy you know? effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash dadville50 and use the code dadville50 to get 50% off. That's five zero. 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code DADVILLE50 at factormeals.com slash DADVILLE50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And so um, the, the real question and challenge is for us as, as parents, as artists, as engineers, as teachers, as lawyers, as farmers, as everything that we're doing, like, um, what is the next artifact of beauty that God longs for me to create? And how is evil going to try to use shame, sometimes through our trauma, sometimes through the moment to moment discourse that I'm having in the privacy of my own mind about myself, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that, you're such an, like, all the things, all the things that go through my head day in and day out, and day in and day out, to the extent that I, as a parent, I know that like, we, we, you know, the audience here, moms and dads, mm-hmm. to the degree that I am in a community in which I am making sense of my own story. Mm-hmm. And remember, we only ever make sense of our own story collectively with other mm-hmm. people. I don't ever do this on my own. My brain's not capable of doing that by itself. Mm-hmm. My mind can't do that by itself. Mm-hmm. It's not good for man to be alone. And there are a billion different reasons why that's true, why mm-hmm. that plays itself out, how that plays itself out. And so if we are in a community in which we are working to make sense of our life, we come to discover that the more aware of me that I am, the more aware I am of me, and what I, what, the moment that I do something to my kid that is shaming, if I'm aware of it, I now have the opportunity to say to my child, first of all, oh my gosh, mm. I just did this to you. The reason that you feel bad is not because like of what you did or didn't do. The reason you feel bad in this case is because of what I've done. Mm. And in so doing, you create the opportunity for repairing the relationship and actually neurobiologically and functionally making it stronger than it was before the rupture even occurred. Wow. And this is why, like, what we're learning about shame and we're learning about the neuroscience of attachment and so forth can be so helpful because it can teach us that when we talk about, when, when Jesus comes and says, like, I'm here to make all things new, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not metaphor. It's real stuff that's happening in real time with real minds, real bodies, real brains. And uh, that's really good news. Mm. Yeah. Would you say that, um, first off, let me just say, everyone listening should stop, rewind, (laughs) and just listen to everything you just heard. (laughs) At about six minutes. Don't listen to what Dave and I said. Um, 
but so that I can, we can walk away. With... Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. I, yeah. I know I'm going to interrupt you because now, now I'm doing the John thing. I'm just going to interrupt yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, okay? please, that's what he does. I just want to say that the first, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to beat this horse to death, but like, I want to say that the first six minutes are actually part of how it is. Hmm, how do I say this? That we are having the conversation in the way that we are, in no small part, is happening because the two of you have already like opened the door wide to create you know, space of great hospitality for me. Hmm. And shame can't live very easily in places that are hospitable. Hmm. Places that are hospitable are welcoming people and are welcoming them with all of our stuff. Not just the part that's easy to be with, but the parts that are hardest. Like, bring, like, show me the part of you that you hate the most. Hmm. We welcome that. Yeah. And in welcoming it, it creates a hard deck on which everybody stands, in this case, the three of us together, and we're like, we get to make something. Hmm. Yeah. And so the first six minutes actually are pretty important. Yeah. And so I, I, I know that we're having fun with this, but I, I just, I just want to say that like humor and, 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 and the way it is already obviously <laughs> <laughs> being employed and appropriated here. Yeah. Like evil can't tolerate this, hmm. and it's a, another uh, a beautiful way that the two of you are creating space for us to do this. So, okay, I'll now stop. That's very kind. <laughs> Jeez, no joke. I'm I'm gonna rewind and listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. But I but and this is this is my attempt to sort of like metabolize what you what you've said and kind of you know put it in a way that like tomorrow I can go, come back to it. So because I, I, I'm sure speaking for me personally, so much of what you laid out just now, I so identify with, I mean, and the whole like making the narrative in your head in that meeting, you get, you hear a tone that kind of, you know, jabs you and then you immediately start writing a story, having a conversation that these other people aren't even a part of. All of that I am is such a worn path for for a lot of us. Yeah. So would you say what I'm what I'm hearing you say is that the antidote to that is a personal connections with people face to face and also meaningful creation. Like uh, you know, like for for me, mm. I, I would say it's this conversation, it's this, this music for someone else. Yeah. Like you said, it might be a piece of furniture, etc. It, it, am I am I kind of getting that right? Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely. I think that uh, I mean, I, I I can't. I mean, I have we have countless examples in these from the these confessional communities that we work with in our practice, and that we are, you know, in our in our small way trying to propagate and support. Uh, in which, uh, you know, I, I say, uh, look, um, if you were to be standing on your sidewalk and you look up and suddenly you're being approached by a, a red radio flyer wagon, mm -hmm. right? One of your kids' wagons, an empty, like at three miles an hour walking pace, uh, if you had to stop it, you would just put your foot out and you would stop it. No big deal. If you're standing on a railroad track and you were being approached by a locomotive, at three miles an hour, you couldn't stop it. But not because of its speed, because of its mass. Mm. Shame is like a locomotive. 
because of how much neural real estate it takes up. Wow. Yeah. And so what we need is a bigger train. Hmm. And that's what community is. Hmm. Wow. Community provides literally extra neural real estate from which I can borrow that is going to help me tell a different story through words and tone of voice and mm. eye contact and all the things that we mm. do that basically is creating what we would call in the business earned secure attachment. But it's one thing for a person to have one person. It's another thing for you to have six or seven people mm. who are in the room, who are speaking to that part of your shame story. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, uh, the shame, like we, we burn a ton of energy having to contain neurally, having to contain the shame that I carry around in my story. Wow. And that energy that I am burning. So it's like, you know, you got X amount of dollars to spend in your budget and I'm going to spend like half of my budget just containing, you know, the broken sewage system that I have in my house. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if I have a community that connects with me in which I can share this, I now no longer have to burn that same energy yeah. to walk around with this. And that energy is now made available to create the things that I need to create. It's made available for me to take the risks that I need to take, even if I'm going to make mistakes. I can do that. And when that happens, and so then if I'm going to practice creating and practice being in community, I am both receiving, like I become the conduit that I was made to be. I'm receiving and I'm pouring out mm. into the world mm. those works that have been prepared for me from before the foundation mm. of the world, mm -hmm. many of which I might not even be aware of because I'm burning so much energy just trying to contain everything. This is like, as I've gotten older, I think the Lord has just like lum like uh, two by four this into the side of my head so many times. <laughs> but like, it's almost what you're saying. I was just thinking that this is your talking, Kurt. Like when we think about what God is telling us in the Bible, so much of the assumed context is that you are in community. Like these things yeah, work right. in a way that is siphoned through you being in a body of people. That's and I right. think something that I get as I get older is so profound to me is that, you know, in church gets such a bad rap and I understand that and the damage that it's done to people and communities and how they've hurt each of us in different ways. But as I get older, there's a few things that I think are more integral. And I start to understand as I read the Bible more as I've gotten older is that that that's the importance of this thing is that it's almost like God sort of says, Hey, for you to do any of this stuff, the reason that church is important is because it's literally the way I made your body to work. Right. Is in, that's is right. in accordance and that's in, right. you know, harmony with other people. And so I think anybody that's listening that struggles with that, which I understand, and I have it, I think we all have, I think again, that's where it gets tricky because it really is the importance of community and church. And I think church is tricky and that's a tricky trigger word for a lot of people. And again, understand that, but I think for anybody that's listening, my encouragement to you is that if you are isolated or you're taking a break from church or you haven't been in a while, I, I don't, you know, my encouragement to you is not like go back because it's what good boys and girls do. It's because literally we we can't be 
ourselves. And you just said this so beautifully, Kurt. We can't be who we're meant to be and carry out these beautiful ways of creating in the way God have made that to be without other people contributing to who we are. Right, right. right? I mean, I, I tell people uh, routinely, I just, I just wrote to my friend Mark this morning, you know, I don't deserve my life. Hmm. And I was saying to my friend Mark, and like you're, you know, just one more piece of evidence as to why that's true. Hmm. This notion that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've, it's been very humbling, but I've had, I, and I've had the good fortune of being able to, you know, write and do some speaking, and I think hopefully be helpful for some people in the last few years. But so much of that is happening because of what other people do to create the space. Where you know I've got you got publishers who publish your books. Mm -hmm, You've got people right. who arrange for podcasts, like all mm -hmm. these kinds of yeah. things that are taking place. In which this this is God's delight to let you know everybody's got their gifts. And so when when Paul writes about this, got your gifts, and yeah. we're going to bring these things together and do the work. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And and I would say like you know to your point about about our travail these days about church that that is legitimate you know i mean i i can't i i i uh, can't talk about this book enough there's uh, tom holland wrote this book called dominion i don't know if you know about I don't this know. book I tom holland is a british historian of antiquities and he's uh, he's not a believer uh, although if you were to listen to him having his conversation on youtube with nt Wright, you wouldn't oh, know that he wasn't a believer hmm. um but Tom Holland wrote this book called Dominion, and it's and basically it's uh, I think the subtitle is the Christian Revolution, and its effect on the West basically, and, and and it's basically a book that walks through the history of Christianity, but for the purpose of really acknowledging the ways in which its fingerprints are all over everything that we do, even the parts of our story now that look like it's in trouble. Yeah are an outgrowth the fact that there is the notion that it is not cool for institutions to abuse the people who are part of it. Mm. The fact that that's not a cool idea is all because of Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that, that whole notion doesn't exist apart from Good Friday and resurrection. Right. right. And so it's 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 a tome. It's like 450 pages, and I'm like reading through it the third time, and because wow. it's had this kind of impact. But I, I think all that to say is that uh, it, it's an incredibly hopeful book for me because mm. it categorizes that like we've been here before, yeah, where the church uh, is 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 troubled because like this is where all the sick people go, yeah, like this is what mm -hmm. happens in hospitals, mm. yeah. And I and to which we would want to say to the patients that have been wounded by the physicians and nurses and staff and so forth that are like yeah like you, you I I get it mm. I really get it and we want you to know that uh, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is coming for you and he's incessant. I have to say, I, I was thinking, I want to say this at the end, but I'll just say it right now. I'm really, you know, this is my second time reading your book, The Soul of Shame. Um, I have to give a shout out to my pastor, Elliot, who gave me the book. He wanted, I told him we were talking today, and he was like, please mention that I gave you the book like two years ago. Um, but anyway, he but, I, but I, want, I want to say that I, I, I'm just really touched by 
not only what you have put out into the world, of course, but right now in this moment, I just want to say this to you. I'm really touched by how connected you are to it because it, it, it is really powerful that you not only would put this stuff out and I, you know, this is not the first conversation you've had on a podcast before, you know, I'm sure you are, you are, it's so just I'm part sorry. of the deal. You, <laughs> you, you are, are putting this stuff out repeatedly as you should, because people need to hear it. But the, but it's really powerful that you are not dulled to it. You know, you're really connected with it. And, and that, that really is meaningful to me. So thank you for that. Well, it helps. Um, it helps if your own life is messed up enough that you know you gotta, <laughs> right? You gotta, but you, but I mean, you gotta you, you gotta you gotta keep coming back to recognizing that like the minute that I forget, like I can't afford to forget that Jesus is coming for me. Because mm-hmm. uh, I got plenty of parts of me that resist that and that are terrified yeah. of that and that mm-hmm. are. Uh, yeah, I, I I tell people, look, we don't human beings. We we're not we're not very good at loving people. Mm-hmm. We're just we're not mm-hmm. very good at it. Mm-hmm. And to which you say, like, you can't give people what you don't have. And the reason that we're not very good at loving people is because we're even less able mm-hmm. to receive love. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's our biggest challenge. My 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 biggest glaring, most glaring pathology is that I'm. I'm so resistant to being loved. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Dave. Yep. Yeah, sorry. John. Hey, yes, John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I, 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 you were going to get it, but I wanted to help you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's pronounced thank John. <laughs> you know, it's so important yeah. to take charge of your health. Yes. If I've said it once, I've said it 1,000 times. Oh, more. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I finally found a great addition to my routine. That takes almost no time at all. Dave. Now this is going to be weird because it sounds like I'm just saying this because you just said it, but yeah. the, that I feel the same way. Really? Uh, do you want to tell the listeners about our favorite new product? Or- I would love to. Okay, you do it. Okay, here we go. This incredible nutrition powder—it's called yep. Athletic Greens. Uh huh. Okay, and I'm hooked on it. Okay, tell it me provides so. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods. Pro, I'm not even done. Okay. Probiotics and adaptogens. Yep. To support gut health, immunity, energy levels, and even aging. Look, there is so much good stuff in this product. It's almost hard to believe. You guys are going to think you're lying, but we're not lying. We don't. We first, we don't lie. And second of all, we wouldn't lie to you guys. Taking a <laughs> multivitamin is so important. Athletic Greens chooses high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Now, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a product that supports sleep quality and alertness. I want to be super alert are, yeah. throughout the day. You know. Yeah, you're quick. You're so quick on your feet. It's also the easiest addition to my daily routine. Add one scoop of the greens into some water and drink them with my breakfast this is also a product that is great for the entire family yeah you know listen to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five 
free. <laughs> it's, I, when I say it's, it's free, it's hard to say because it's I, hard to believe, but I, it's true. I have to. They give you five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dadville. Again, this is athleticgreens.com slash dadville to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So, so something that I, that I heard you speak on that I wanted to ask you about is, is um, the limitations that we put on our kids or maybe particularly in this day and age we take off of or we try to take off of our kids you know that we've we've talked about this on in podcasts past i think we even had a podcast that we named you're not a basketball player <laughs> named after a moment that i had <laughs> with my father an ebenezer moment in john's life. <laughs> that, you uh, know i remember it was you know 30 whatever years ago and i remember riding in the car with my dad after a basketball tryout where I had missed every, it could not have gone worse. Mm. I mean, I, I'm tempted to say the only way it could have gone worse is if I hadn't gone, but that would have been better had we not gone. <laughs> and my, you know, I'm just like, I'm just spiraling, right? Yeah. And my dad yeah. said, look, you're, you're not a basketball player. Your last name is McLaughlin. Look, we didn't give you, you know, whatever. He's just like, you're not a basketball player. I don't, re I, I remember that moment, right? Hmm. And now as, as, uh, as a dad, I understand conceptually that there are meaningful, there are times to kind of set some limitations for, you know, like just mm -hmm. having these, this borderless sort of like, you can do anything, children, go. Right, right. Is, it's not healthy, right? Right. And right. so I, but I, I, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about this because what what I've heard you speak on, I think our listeners would really benefit from. Well, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I, I we, one of the things you may have heard me say before is that evil does its best work in the middle of good work being done, hmm. right? E hmm. Evil, evil doesn't, evil doesn't exist on its own. Yeah. It's paras, it's parasitic, hmm. mm -hmm. and so. Uh, if you want to try out for a basketball team, like that's a cool thing. It's a good thing. And it doesn't matter. You know, like evil is going to look for some way to ruin that. So, you know, if you're Stefan Curry and you're trying out for the team, uh, evil might want to say, well, you've, you've got to be perfect. Hmm. Like yeah. you know, there are all kinds of ways. Like, I'm, yeah, of course I'm going to make the team. I make the team. But now it's like, no, I, I just, you know, like, so I'm going to edge toward perfection. Hmm, right. But if I'm not stiff, if I'm Kurt Thompson and I don't like, you know, I had three brothers that all played in college. Oh, and wow. as we like to say, by the time my parents had me, the talent pool had been drained out of the genetic code. And <laughs> so I got to play in high school, but nothing beyond that. Yeah. Right. So then it, it, it's going to work at the other direction. Like, you're just not good enough. You like, you can't like, you're, you know, you're not, you're not cut out for college ball. Like you can't, you can't do that. And again, it's, it's this notion of how do we apply a break? Hmm. Yeah. Right. So there are, there are limits, right? A, a two-year-old wants to run into the street. You have to apply a break. How, how do we do that? How do we apply the break? How hmm. would your dad have had that conversation? We could say, gosh, you know, like you could say like, so tell me what that was like. How are you, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Hmm. And like, you may or may not. And of course my, you know, if I'm the dad, I'm like, I see my son, he doesn't feel good. He, he, like it didn't, he didn't, it didn't go well. Like, and now I feel bad. 
mm, right. because somehow how right. how could I have done this differently? How could I have gotten him ready? You know, all the things that we as parents yeah. are doing. Like, how could I somehow have been God and made this be okay for them? Right. Right. And so what I'm trying to do by saying like, well, you know, you're not a basketball player. I'm actually trying to reduce my own distress is really what I'm trying. I'm trying to regulate me. <laughs> yeah. And so it, th- this is where I would say like, when if I if I have my own community that says, Kurt, Raising kids is hard to do. The only way that you don't screw them up is you don't have them. It's the only way you don't screw them up. <laughs> Can you say that a hundred times in a row? Right. For the rest it's of the our only time? way. The only way. Yeah. And so, kind of like the only way that I don't feel bad about the basketball tryout is if I don't go. Yeah. And and this is what evil would love for us to do. like. Don't try. Don't 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 even try to create. But I think that there are <laughs> there are there are some naturally occurring things that we're going to learn. Like I might learn, like I, I didn't, I, you know, I either didn't make the team and my dad might process this with me. He's going to help apply the break in a way that helps me name. Yeah. Yeah. That just really sucked. I just, I really didn't like it. And I was like, yeah, that would, that would feel bad for me too. And developmentally, we as parents are always determining, uh, you know, at what point are we, you know, how are we going to let our children draw the conclusions on their own that they need to draw? Like, this isn't a good thing. Or at what point am I going to have to step in and decide that for them? Like, it's not a good mm. thing for my two-year-old to cross into the street unaccompanied. I'm, I'm not waiting for them to figure that out by getting hit by a car. No. And we as parents, we're always looking for the line. Like, how much is too much? Like, how, like, how do I apply the clutch? Mm. Yeah. And this is the good, the good news then is that, you know, we don't always apply the clutch perfectly. Mm. We don't. And God is not worried about this. Hmm. If God would have been that worried, he wouldn't have made us, right? Because it's the whole thing. Like the only way that he doesn't get crucified is if he just doesn't make us. Hmm. <laughs> but that whole notion of let us make mankind in our own image. And, you know, you you picture Jesus thinking like, I'm not so sure this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Father, you and the Spirit, you get to hang out wherever you hang out. Like I'm the one who's going to get to like, Right. Deal with the Romans. <laughs> this this whole this whole those cantankerous Romans. This whole notion, this whole notion that God like he can't not make us. He's that he loves us this much, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't love us because he made us. He made us because he loves us. Before yeah. I formed you, I knew you, he says to Jeremiah. That whole notion that before we were zygotes, we, like, I don't get it, but living into that kind of delight hmm. and paying attention and, and as a parent, wanting to find a way to deliver that kind of delight in proper doses, even in the middle of the hardest things. And if I miss the line between I'm, you know, I'm applying the clutch too hard or not enough or I'm right if, if it's imperfect which it will be on occasion God is faithful to say I think Kurt you could have applied the clutch a little more softly that time and I'm gonna I don't wanna come back to my son or my daughter like I there's there's a classic in our in our family there's a classic story of like this conversation that I had with my son when he was a sophomore in college and he was wrestling with faith stuff and I'm like this is gonna be great because I'm gonna have the conversation with him that I wish that my parents had had with me when I was a kid and I was having my own existential crisis and you know I'm in the middle of this conversation with him in which I'm gonna be heroic yeah this is your moment and you know how it is the words start to come out of your mouth that you're like 
<laughs> and 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 you know that this is not going to go well. And so just to make sure that like you make sure that it doesn't go well, they try to escape faster and louder before you have the chance to withhold them. They try to save and, you. Right, leaving. exactly. Yeah. That's right. And I basically said to him, if you're not going to follow Jesus, I think you're an idiot. Mm. I'm like, I didn't use those words, but this 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 was a very Pauline response. <laughs> That's right. Have you not read the book of Romans? <laughs> and like I, 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 you know, I, I have a relationship with both of my kids that is just, uh, like I, I, like I said, I don't deserve my life. And uh, this was a crushing moment for him mm-hmm. and for me. Yeah. And, you know, he, two days later, he was going back to college and I was a mess. Like I was a wreck for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I, like it, I, so we had we had a long road of repair, hmm. because not only was he in the middle of his crisis, but now he's got his dad piling onto this, right? Which he, you know, that thanks, right? <laughs> thanks for, and so lightening that burden, right? Yeah. And but but I but I will but I will say, I mean, the whole notion of that repair work has you know. It, it, it built a foundation in which like we both know that we can make mistakes and 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 we're going to repair them mm. and we're which gives us greater confidence to continue to take risks with each other yeah mm-hmm. going forward because we don't have to worry about being imperfect we can just live into this creation of a relationship between son and father mm. confident that if we make mistakes either way both parties are going to like do the work and and this is what and, and and we might say, look, in some respects, I mean, this uh, theologically, some would will uh, my all my reform friends will take great umbrage with this. But in some respects, again, if I'm struck by lightning in the next seven seconds, <laughs> in some respects, on Good Friday, God is saying, "This is all about. It. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna own this." In some respects, he's saying he's sorry. Now, I, I really, that's where the, God doesn't have to say he's sorry right now. I, I get it. But in some respects, he's saying, look, I get it. I, I, if Adam had been able to take responsibility for what he did, hmm. we might be having a different conversation. If Adam right. had just said, look, I really screwed this up. I didn't, like, I didn't, uh, I left her alone. I ate the apple. Like, do, yeah, I know that you're going to have to talk with her. Do with me what you will. Can you, like, I can imagine, like, the Trinity sitting like, 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 can you believe this guy? Wow. Like, listen to what, like, he's taking, he's taking responsibility for his stuff. Like, this is what real people do. But he doesn't do this. And then Cain and Abel. And then all the, th- all the things. Mm-hmm. And God's finally saying, yeah, like, humans, they, they're not able. This is what shame does. It undermines our ability to create, even create, especially in the worst disintegrating spaces and god says okay like i send israel to do it they can't do it and so i've got to send a representative so i'm going to do it i'm going to take responsibility for what i started Hmm. and the thing is he doesn't just pay a price Easter was the one thing evil doesn't see coming. Mm. And so this whole notion of forgiveness, not just letting people off the hook, but leading to brand new creation, something coming out the other side. 
It's how we've been made to operate. We've been made that when we repair things, when I have to repair things with Nathan, what comes out on the other side is a relationship that is far more resilient than it was before the rupture ever happened. Mm -hmm. And this is what resurrection and ascension means to us. This is what Pentecost means to us. That we are to then go forth, even in the face of evil doubling down, with its want, its 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 use of shame to devour us, and it does so in the smallest ways, right? Whether it's privacy of my own head or the interaction with my kids and so forth, uh, God continues to say, "I'm not just saving you, but I want to enter into the moments that you believe are the most destructive and the most hopeless, the most traumatic, and it is in those spaces." where I am going to create the most unbelievable beauty you could ever imagine. Mm. In fact, you can't imagine it mm. because things are so god-awful where they are. Mm -hmm. Holland, in his book, uh, opens with this line. He talks about how crucifixion uh, archaeologically has been established. Like, there's no question about—I mean, the Romans used crucifixion to kill literally thousands of people for cultural and conquest control of populations. But he talks about how, you know, first of all, it was the Greeks who came up with the idea and the Romans perfected it. And he said, it's so heinous. It was so heinous, even in polite Roman society, no one would talk about it. It's, he said, it's why you don't find many Roman writings wanting to even describe it because it was too publicly embarrassing for the Romans themselves, despite the fact that they would use it. And then he, he makes this statement. He said, so with such a concerted effort on the Romans' part to bury it in history, why is it that there is one, one crucifixion that stands out? that has been the reason the world is the way it is in all of its best ways. Wow. And this is where we would say, is it like God allows Jesus to be, not, I mean, the Romans had many ways to kill people. John the Baptist was beheaded. We could do it quickly. But there's no worse form of, 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 of executing somebody than this. And God takes all of this on. And says, not only am I going to put up with it, but I'm going to bring something out of it that you couldn't in your wildest dreams ever imagine. Mm. And this is what he says to each one of us. I want to find the worst parts about you where you want nothing to do with it and you don't want anybody else to do with it either. The parts that you're most ashamed of. And those are the places where I want to create beauty, the likes of which you haven't yet imagined. Jeez mm. mm. Louise, man. So... <sighs> I feel like I just need to lay down for a minute. <laughs> it's, it's such wonderful thoughts. Um, so, so, so something um, a little bit of a scene change. I'm curious, like as you think about you know these things we've talked about and community and and um, and uh, shame and all of these things. Like as you think about listeners, and I, I would say especially dads, Kurt. Like, hmm. is there anything with the society that we're in, the sort of um, all of that? So whatever that looks like in living in 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, it is 2022, right? Okay, good. Mm, um, I think so. It's hard to keep track. Touche. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have any wisdom? Do you have any encouragement, any challenges, anything that 
for the dads that are listening to this, like, you know, be it from your experience, from things that you've read and your understanding or just things that you have on your heart. Do you have any thoughts or encouragements or? Uh, you know, here's what comes to mind. Uh, we, uh, in these confessional community cohorts that we run, we, uh, every year we run a new group for men. We'll have seven or eight men in a group that will run for about eight months. And I think this is true for all human beings, but you know, we, we men and fathers in particular have, have their own particular way of not believing that their presence, their presence matters mm, wow. in the world. So yes, I know I need to be a provider. Yes, I know. So I gotta, I gotta make sure that they got a roof. I gotta make sure that they get this, that, that, and yes, I know about this thing, emotional and, and, you know, increasingly aware about attachment and, you know, all those, I, I gotta do that. But there, a father's sense or awareness that like my presence and attunement to others in the room is going to make the difference for their moment hmm. is not a thought that ever occurs to us. Hmm. And the moment that someone suggests, hey, I just want you to know your presence in the room is a game changer. Wow. Uh, it's uh, uh, like at one level, there's a part of me like, really? Like, I want to believe that. And then there's a part of me that's like, yeah, but I got all this other story that like, like, like that's, isn't that arrogant of me to think? Isn't it, especially for believers? Like, isn't it right. like all the ways in which evil would not want you to hear, let alone appropriate that news. Mm -hmm. And I would want fathers to know, uh, I, I mean, how many times have I talked to mothers or fathers who are just like, uh, they're like, man, how many, like, I, I think my kid would have just been better off with a different parent. Hmm. I mean, in our, in our, in, not, not always, but like in, in some of our, in some of our worst moments. To which I want to say, your kid has no idea who they have in you hmm. as a dad. And I want you to know, I don't just want your kid to know. I want you to know that your kid has no idea who they have. Nobody is better suited to parent your daughter, your son, as a father than you are. Mm -hmm. Jesus takes you far more seriously than you take yourself or that you imagine that he does. I tell folks, you know, you read the opening lines of the Sermon on the Mount, and there's the Beatitudes, and following this immediately, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Mm. Who would light a lamp and then put it under a bushel? And like, I usually hear that and hear Jesus saying to me, you're the light of the world. Don't screw it up. Hmm. Don't screw up your kids. Don't screw up your <laughs> marriage. Don't screw up your profession. Don't like, just don't like, you're the light of the world. Like who, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what if, <laughs> what if his spirit is more like, my goodness, John and Dave, like, my, like, I, I, you are just so unbelievably illuminating. What is it like for us to hear Jesus say that mm. to us? Like you're, like you're illuminating. Like, uh, <laughs> are you, are you, who, who are you talking to? Because mm. again, it's like, uh, what am I, the pressure and the, like, no, like I, I can't wait for Thursday morning to get here 
such that the world that encounters you is going to be so much better off because you're in the room. Hmm. <laughs> and of course, I hear that. I'm like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, I want you to pay attention to me looking at you. Hmm. Reminding you that just as you're coming for your boy, as you're coming for your girl, I'm coming for you. And I'm coming for you, looking at you as you, as if you are the most illuminating thing I've seen in the entire creation all day. Mm. Practicing living into that, paying mm. attention yeah. to that, yeah. makes it very difficult for shame to have much room to operate. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you talked about that in The Soul of Shame, and there, I, you know, Dave and I both have pages and pages of things that we don't have time to get to. But um, but you talked about that, about like using your imagination. It's like, it's almost like the way that I, I processed it was, uh, it, it would be better if we could just accept that, what you just said, if mm. we could just mm. accept that. Mm. But it's like, I like the way you put it in, in, in your book. It's like, if you can't get there you know, by default, use your imagination to just, just let yourself yeah. for 10 seconds, give yourself yeah. 10 seconds to imagine yeah. that that's true. And then you yeah. can pick up your old way of thinking if you want to after the end of this 10 seconds. <laughs> right. But it's, it's really, really, really powerful. It was really, really powerful for me. Mm -hmm. For anyone who's sitting with the soul of shame, go to page 136, read mm -hmm. it. it. It's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm curious as you you know you are uh, a dad and you have adult mm. children you have mm. you're you know you're still parenting obviously but you're mm. you've gone through everything that dave and i have in our future that we're terrified of <laughs> um, as we stand stare at the jungle and we've just barely made a little bit of a trail into it and we're going this is a huge jungle we're just standing in poison ivy just is terrified a butter knife uh you know what this means kurt which is kind of exciting for us is that you have yeah to this worked back. out perfectly I would, I would be thrilled. That'd be awesome. You but, are, but but we gotta, but we gotta make sure that we kind of like have a similar first six minute lead in. We gotta, yeah, yeah we will. I'll have some songs prepared. Oh, uh, we can deliver on that. If that's what you're needing, we can deliver. Oh, I'll um, need it. Well, thank you so much for your yes. time. Thank this you for so hanging, great. and uh, you are a legend. And oh. I've never cried so much. <laughs> I've never cried so much in an hour other than when I watched Green Mile, but that's a whole other conversation uh, uh, for another time. Mm. Uh, thank you again, Kurt. You're the best. Yes, welcome thank you so much, Kurt. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah.